Hello, this is Pastor Scott from Byesville Assembly of God. Before we begin this week's podcast, I just wanted to apologize for last week. Our master file that we use for our videos and our podcast was corrupted and we were unable to produce our weekly YouTube, Facebook, and website videos as well as the audio podcast. We apologize for this, but we are back up and running this week and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Welcome to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. Awesome. Well, we are continuing our Seek Jesus series, and for those of you who were here last week, wasn't it just great to have my father and mother-in-law here? Wasn't that a great time? Absolutely loved hearing from them. It's always a joy for uh, me to hear him preach. His message was just so spot on as it has to do with being baptized in the Holy Spirit and seeking Jesus as the main focus. And if you haven't been here for a few weeks, or you need a refresher, uh, we have been talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we believe that this is a separate experience than receiving the Holy Spirit inside of you at conversion or salvation. This is a separate biblical infilling of the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to be a witness for Jesus and opens you up to whatever the gifts of the Spirit look like for you. We saw the biblical evidence for this occurrence over the last few weeks as we looked into God's Word, and we encouraged you to read some scriptures that were available at the Welcome Center. I've had some questions about those scriptures. There's just a list of about 10 or so scriptures that have to do with baptism in the Holy Spirit. I could do sermons on it for every week of this year if I wanted to, but uh, nothing is a replacement for you personally looking in the Word of God and seeing what God's Word says for yourself. So we encourage you to read God's Word uh, in, in those uh, scriptures that I provided and wherever else God would lead you in scripture as well as it has to do with this. But let's take a look at this as a recap. I want to let you know what we've talked about. We read uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That's where we're going to be with, uh, going to be first uh, to start out this morning. Uh, this morning I also wanted to let you know that you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. There is a notes thing on the YouVersion Bible app under events and there is the thing right there. In fact, if you're really techie, you can take out your phone and scan that code on the bottom right hand corner of the screen. It'll take you right to there. Isn't that cool? That's just the coolest thing ever. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8. No one else thought that was cool. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty neat. You could scan that, it'll take you right to there. So. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said this, he ascended into heaven. Remember how we mentioned that Jesus said this and then he ascended into heaven and if I were to conjure up what my last words would be on earth, I'd try to think up something that was really, really, really important. Something that might make a lasting impression on my family or my friends, right? And this was the last thing that Jesus said when he left the earth. Now obviously what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit was something that he wanted each of us to take part in. And then after he said this, the disciples gathered with 120 total people, men and women alike, in an upper room where they were gathered in unity, praying to Jesus together. They were seeking Jesus. That's the whole series of this message, of this message series, Seek Jesus. They were seeking Jesus in that moment. And that brought us to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the core scripture for this, for this series. When the day of Pentecost arrived... 
They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them, to them, and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? And so then we gave some other biblical examples for this that back up this idea that it is normal to speak in tongues as the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Spirit. And you won't necessarily understand the words coming out of your mouth, but God does. And anyone who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit understands this idea. Someone just this last week was baptized in the Holy Spirit who was here this last Sunday, and maybe eventually they'll share uh, what their testimony is in that. I don't want to embarrass them this morning, but it's just a really cool thing. They sought Jesus, and they experienced this, and undeniably, they were able to experience the power that comes as they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, like I said, speaking in tongues, the initial physical evidence. We can speak in tongues in our personal prayer time, and we are essentially praying about things that we don't know about. We discussed 1 Corinthians 14.2. That's the next one coming up on the screen today. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Okay, so... I wanted to mention this too, right? When we speak in tongues in our prayer time, we're speaking to God in a language we don't understand, but He does. So when we don't know what to pray, some of us might feel this way this morning. When we feel like we're at our wit's end and we don't know what thing to pray about because we're not sure what's actually going to help us in our situation, I've heard some songs that say, you just say Jesus. When you don't know what to pray, just say Jesus. And absolutely do that because we should be seeking Jesus. And the other portion of that too would be pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit because we don't know what we need, but God does. And so this idea that for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. We utter things of God that we don't even know about. So as a part of this whole Holy Spirit series, I want to put a diagram on the screen that I think will really help us out. So this is, this is the diagram. Thank you to Pastor Scott for making this. This is so cool. And I have a laser. Can everybody see that? Oh, this is cool. So we have here the Holy Spirit in the middle. All of these things revolve around the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is that we become saved. We have salvation in Jesus Christ. And at salvation, Ephesians 1.13 tells us that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation. That's the first step in this whole idea of the Holy Spirit. We each have the Holy Spirit when we ask Jesus to come into our heart. And then what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, Acts 2.1-4, which is what I just read. That's where you speak in tongues is the initial physical evidence. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You have the speaking in tongues for your personal prayer time. You have speaking in tongues over other people as you are praying for them. Again, uttering things in the Spirit that you don't even know what you're saying, but God does, and that's what's important. So baptism in the Holy Spirit. But then what we're going to focus on today is the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit that we're going to talk about today is speaking in tongues in the public worship setting and someone then interpreting what was said as they speak in tongues. So that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. First thing is the indwelling at salvation, then is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And as a part of speaking in tongues as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we have this gift where we see in the public worship setting that someone will speak in tongues and then someone will interpret what is being said. Right? So this is for the public worship setting. 
Paul last week touched on this just briefly because he knew I was going to be talking about it this week. But he talked about this briefly. Many of you have been to our church for a good amount of time, enough to know that at times during our worship services, sometimes it's in between a song, uh, sometimes it's toward the end of the worship service or whatever, but somebody will start saying something in the congregation that's louder than the music and the music stops and that person is speaking something that you don't understand. It sounds like nonsense to you. And that's true, because every time that we've seen this in Scripture, even at the first time they spoke in tongues, people thought they were drunk. And I'm not making a joke, that is what Scripture says. They thought that these men and women were drunk, and so they said, you guys are just crazy, you're drunk people. And then Peter gave his first message about Jesus Christ, as, in, in, as a witness of Jesus Christ in their world, and it was just remarkable. But it's an amazing thing what happens when we gather in the worship setting, someone speaks in tongues, and then they interpret, or somebody else interprets. That is the type of speaking in tongues that we're going to talk about today. So 1 Corinthians 14, verses 32 and 33 is the next scripture here. But before I kind of set this up, I, 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 this opens up a can of worms that some people might get com uncomfortable with, so I want to touch on it. Sometimes people have heard that Pentecostal or Assemblies of God churches have this weird thing of speaking in tongues, and maybe they've heard the thing of people hanging off the chandeliers or handling snakes or running up and down the aisles, this, that, and the other thing, okay? And um, let me be very clear about that, because some of that stuff works in a, in a setting, not the chandelier hanging, not the snakes thing, okay? But when you're filled with the Spirit, sometimes... It's so overwhelming and it's so amazing what God's doing in your life that you have to express it somehow. So, but with all that is this verse. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets for God is not a God of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So what I want to say with this is that people who are in service are not, God doesn't take control of them and then they just, can't control themselves. When people are filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they very well can control the word that God has given them. They're not taken out of their, it's not like a, a odd experience where they can't control their life. They can still, okay? People in a public worship setting can control themselves. And when you get into a situation where someone says, oh, I just couldn't control myself, we don't believe that's of God. Now, we do believe that when they're so filled with the Spirit that they're just wanting to express it. That's, that's okay, and that's in the parameters of what we believe is in the Word of God. But people are never overtaken. People are never overtaken by the Holy Spirit in such a way that God uses them like a puppet. Okay, they are not put into some trance and given revelations that no one has ever heard before. Right? In the Islamic religion, it is said that Muhammad was put into a trance by Allah and given the words of the Quran. And as Christians, we don't believe that he truly was put into a trance, but we believe that he merely said that Muhammad was put into a trance. And in a public worship setting, we don't believe God just overtakes people. We believe that we can control what we are saying as we are filled with the Spirit. Why do we believe that way? Because 1 Corinthians here says that people who prophesy or are giving words to the church from God are in control of their minds and bodies still. Some people have very bubbly personalities, though, and they feel led to jump up and down. That's fine. Some people feel led to let out a yell. That's fine. Some people want to hoop and holler. Some people want to run. Some people, get whatever that looks like for you, as you're filled with the Spirit, 
that's fine, but you can control yourself. You can. And so that's kind of the basis for what we're looking at today. You can control yourself, and, and that's what we're looking at in this scripture. But people who are more introverted might feel uncomfortable with doing the hooping and hollering. And some people that are introverted look at those who are extroverted as they're filled with the Spirit and say, what got into them? And what are they doing? Because some introverted people may never feel the need to yell or to jump up and down or to run because they're like, man, some people legitimately, and I know some people in this room that might feel this way, some people feel the presence of God in such a strong way as they're just sitting down in their chair and enveloping in the presence of God. And that's just fine. And that's what makes each and every one of us unique in our relationship with the Lord. Some people will do one thing, some people will do another, and it's okay, right? So what we see is that it is consistent with the character of God that he does not overtake people and take someone out of their control. In another aspect, God allows us to freely be in relationship with him as well as he allows us to freely be out of relationship with him. Right? In the same way, no one's forced into a relationship with God. And then once in relationship, no one's out of their control. So that's the basis for what we have today. We're looking into 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 is our next scripture. This is the nine gifts of the Spirit. Uh, for those of you who are newer to the Word and this doesn't look familiar to you, this is a, a pretty core verse for the Christian faith and what the gifts of the Spirit are. So let's take a look at that. Uh, if you're in uh, these pew Bibles right in front of you, by the way, we're in the English Standard Version today. Uh, this is what the pew Bibles are in front of you. Uh, if you're using those uh, Bibles and you want to follow along with us today, you will be turning to page 1139 in these books. So if that helps you, awesome. Let's go ahead and take a look at the scripture. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Next portion, sorry. That to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is also on the next screen. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. So this is the nine gifts of the Spirit. This is what we call the gifts of the Spirit that God will use people in as they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, if someone is not baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, can they be used in one of these gifts? And the answer is yes, they can. Yes, they can. God can and will use anyone that he wants to at any given time. But as you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's basically saying to God that you're ready to be used in all of these areas at any given time, wherever you are, however God would choose to use you. God can and will use anyone that he wants to at any given time. But right, as you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're available to God in any of those ways. But of the nine gifts of the Spirit, I want to focus on just two of these today. That's the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. See, God will often use someone in the gift of tongues, and then God will give that same person the gift of interpretation. This can happen as someone is praying for someone else, or they're out in the community, or wherever it is, but it typically happens as we gather for church in the public worship setting. Now, I don't want to limit God on how he will work. 
But what I want to do is at least give you a typical way that God will use someone in this gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation, right? A lot of times, this is how it goes. We begin the worship service, we're singing a song, and then in between the songs, someone might begin speaking in tongues. And then the music will stop, and we'll hear that speaking in tongues, and then we'll wait for the interpretation. Sometimes the interpretation is a little bit after the tongues. Sometimes it happens right away. Um, I've been in uh, some worship services where, uh, well, my father-in-law was telling me he was in one worship service where someone gave a tongue, and the interpretation didn't come for another 17 minutes. He said that was the longest the longest time in between a word and tongue and an interpretation. And what's crazy is that in that moment, my father-in-law said he had the word. He had the word of what the interpretation was. But he didn't want to use my father-in-law in that moment. My, God specifically told my father-in-law, you wait, you don't say what that word is because I'm wanting to use someone else, not you. <laughs> and that is an interesting place to be. But he waited and waited 17 minutes later. Finally, God gave the courage to the person to step forward. And, uh, and begin giving that interpretation. Now, just a few chapters ahead in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about speaking in tongues and prophesying. And Paul talks about how if someone just speaks in tongues in a public worship setting, it doesn't help the church as a whole. It doesn't build up the church if someone just speaks in tongues. For instance, if I got up here and began to speak in tongues for the entire message portion of the service... Everyone would walk away, probably before I was done, <laughs> but also you'd walk away with absolutely nothing. You would walk away with nothing gained at all. It would be unfruitful for you. Now, it would be a benefit to the Lord because I'd pray in my prayer language to God, but for the purpose of speaking in tongues publicly, it's for the building up of the church. 1 Corinthians 14.23 says this, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Right? Just like what I talked about earlier. But if there's prophecy or an interpretation that follows this speaking in tongues, we have fruitful ministry happening. That's the difference here. We want to build others up in our faith, right? That's in part what the purpose is of coming to church. We are called by God to make disciples of all nations, not make confused people of all nations. Amen? So 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 14 says this, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So if you have a, a message in tongues, but you don't feel you have the interpretation, pray to God that he will give you the interpretation. Or... Step forward in faith and give the message in tongues and wait for God to give it to somebody else. Either way, it takes a step of faith to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. And all those who have done this in a public worship setting know what that's like. It takes a step of faith. You know, what if somebody looks at me and thinks I'm trying to bring attention to myself? What if somebody thinks I'm wrong? What if somebody thinks I'm trying to be better than them? What if somebody, feel, you know, all these things that can go through your mind, right? But Paul talks about the idea that orderly worship is important. Now, yes, we have a service order for our church. Where did it go? We have a service order for our church, and it looks pretty standard every week. We have typically four songs, and we have, you know, pray for the children's church, then we got fellowship time, offering and announcing. We have this order, and that's good, but I always tell our worship team that if God is leading you in a different direction than what's on the service order, then do that. 
then do that. Because the service order is good. It helps us to kind of have, and it's scriptural to have an order, just like 1 Corinthians 14 says. But have you ever noticed that during worship sometimes, Kendra starts singing a song that no lyrics are up on the screen for? You've ever noticed that? Right? That's not happening because the person running lyrics is taking a nap. Okay? They have all the songs in the order. And some of, our, uh, some of our computer people are getting used to the way that Kendra leads and sometimes they're like, I don't know some of these songs. And that's okay. The Spirit is leading. And if, by the way, a good response for those in the congregation that if there's a song that you don't know, just pray in your own, in your own way. Worship God in your own way. You know, I've had times where I've been in a worship service and I don't know the song and I've let it inhibit me in, in my prayer time and in my worship time. And I don't think that's what our time in worship should be like. If there's a song you don't know, close your eyes, sing your own song to the Lord because the sound system's loud enough that nobody will hear you, but God will. <laughs> and that's okay. Sing your song to the Lord. Praise His name. We're a Pentecostal church. You don't have to do exactly what's on the screen or exactly what you're singing. And that's an okay thing. That's not, again, Kendra's being led by the Holy Spirit as she's leading worship. She's allowing God to use her as she's being led by the Spirit, because, and not just Kendra, but the entire worship team as a whole, we've encouraged everyone to feel led by the Spirit. If God's leading you in a different way, then that's okay. But on the flip side of this, we can't let the service go so out of hand and let everyone say everything that they want to and do everything that they want to. Paul encourages that there is order to speaking in tongues and interpretation. Verses 27 and 28 of 1 Corinthians 14 says, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, and speak to himself and to God. Right, so this scripture really tells us that there's order in the church. If everyone started giving a word of prophecy or wisdom right now at the same time, no one would be able to hear each word. Again, it goes back to this idea that when you have a word of prophecy, God doesn't overtake your body and your mouth as you begin to speak. You are in control. Okay? I was once talking to somebody, and uh, they started speaking a word over me. And, uh, and honestly, when I was talking to them, the word that they were speaking over me seemed a little bit weird. So I personally do not believe that it was a word from the Lord, but that's beside the matter, right? So what they were speaking over me was something, something to do with God, and uh, I asked them a few questions about what they said because it didn't really seem biblically accurate. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, and, and they said, I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. And I said, well, you just spoke a word over me. And they said, well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. They said, that must have been God speaking through me because I don't remember that. And my response was, well, then that's ridiculous <laughs> because you have control over what you're saying, right? They were talking as if they didn't know what happened as they spoke this word over me and that God took complete control. That doesn't happen. Scripturally, when we're filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and God uses us for different gifts of the ministry, we have control. Even as we're speaking uh, in tongues, we have control of what we say and how we act. And we have to weigh out what is said in tongues and in, and in prophecy to make sure that what is said is of God. There's scripture on this too. In verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 14, it continues on in this order of worship. In verse 29, it says, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. 
So we have this responsibility then. When someone speaks this, as a church, then we all weigh what is said after that prophecy comes out. And so we have a few measuring tools in order to do this. Number one, does what was said line up with the Word of God? Is it scriptural? Like I mentioned, that person I was talking to years ago, it didn't line up, so I wasn't buying it. <laughs> okay, so number two, is it consistent with the character of God? For instance, if someone gives a word of wisdom in a church service and says, man, this felon named Ned has been saying some nasty things about you lately, so God says to tell as many people as you can about how awful of a person he is. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? That doesn't line up with God's word. That goes against the word of God, and it goes against the character of God. But if the word is, many people have been rising up against you lately, but God says to persevere through the trial and trust in him, and he'll see you through. But that sounds like that lines up with the, the word of God. And it sounds like it lines up with the character of God. So we can measure it like that. Also, 1 Corinthians 14 is the next scripture up here, verses 34 and 35, as it has to an order in the church. It says, The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. And some of us are gasping. <gasps> the Word of God says that. Wow. Now, we're not going to spend a long time on this, but what I do want to say is let's look at this from a biblical perspective, all right? Back in Bible times, women were asked not to speak in church because they had not much of an educational background and didn't know sometimes what the preacher was saying. So a lot of times in the early church, men actually sat on one side of the church and the women sat on the other side of the church. Some of you, when you were growing up, might have, might have been in churches where this was the case yet, right? So sometimes if a woman did not understand what was being said there would be disruption in the service because sometimes maybe she would shout over to the other side to her husband and say, what was that that the preacher said? And if you have all this going on in the church, you've got a lot of disruption going on. And that truly goes against what Paul was saying as far as having order in the church. But it's different in today's day and age because in today's day and age, women are educated as much as or even more than men and women. And men and women sit together now in church typically. <laughs> so if you, look at this, if you look at this scripture and take it out of context, one would say that women shouldn't say anything in church. So if we took this for literal interpretation, any woman that has said one word in this church today goes against what scripture said. And I have a hard time believing that that's what the word of God is saying. I have a hard time believing that. But if we said this, this would limit the moving of the Holy Spirit. Because there are often women who even give a word of prophecy or a word of tongue or interpretation in our church services. There's a commentary called Biblical Illustrator that simply puts it this way. It's so good. It says, Scripture commands, such as this one, Scripture commands are binding only where they apply. For example, Scripture says we are commanded to honor the king. But what about countries where there is no king? And you cannot give a rigid interpretation to the text without running against the whole fruit of civilization for the last 1,800 years. What biblical commentary also says is, are you going to put back the shadow on the dial? It says, Christianity has made woman a prophetess, and no false interpretation of the text can ever close her mouth. Wow. What a word. Right? Therefore, what we see plain throughout Scripture is that women have been used in the ministry in many different ways. Romans uh, 16, 1 through 2, 
Paul encourages the support of Phoebe, who is a female deacon in the church. And not just with Phoebe, but throughout Romans 16, Paul thanks a list of women who have served faithfully in the church. So we can confidently interpret 1 Corinthians 14 by saying that it is a scripture command of that day and age because of the time and season of that era. Women and men alike are used for ministry in churches such as deacons or Bible study leaders or words of tongue and interpretation and in the gifts of the Spirit as well. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28 so And it's my burden as your pastor to look at Scripture in context rather than taking Scripture out of context. And therefore, let's remember that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Allow God to do His work. If you feel God speaking to your heart to do something or say something, don't let anything limit you in what you feel God asking you to do. Let's be excited as we gather as the church and come together in unity to see what God will do as we see God do amazing things. Verses 39 and 40 of 1 Corinthians 14 finishes this up and it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Again, Paul says brothers and sisters here, reminding us that both men and women are used by God to prophesy, and it says do not forbid speaking in tongues. This last line is important as well, because everything is to be done in a fitting and orderly way. In a fitting and orderly way. At the end of the day here at our church, our goal and our desire is that others will be built up in Christ and be encouraged to go out and do the work of the ministry. So how do we put this into practice, what we've talked about today? Ask God to use you in whatever way He wants to use you. And if you feel God is putting a word on your heart for the church, speak that word. If you feel God's asking you to take a bold step of faith and speak out during our worship service, do that. Or choose to do so in between a song when the music is a little quieter so that your voice can be heard as we follow what Scripture says and don't speak over another person. Allow God to flow through you as you speak, right? We want to hear from the Lord as we gather. And some people are hesitant to speak what God puts on their heart because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Or they feel that others will look at them badly. Let's choose not to worry about that. As people who attend this church, we're coming in here in a spirit of unity. We choose to do that today. And if you have a spirit of disunity, then you're only going to cause havoc here in our church. And the spirit of disunity is just not welcome here. But people who want to be here, excuse me, people who want to be here and people who want to grow, it would be a disservice to someone not to speak the word that God's given you. So we come to church for being built up and encouraged and sent out to do the work of the ministry. And in all of this, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All of what we've talked about today begins with the best decision that you'll ever make that will impact your eternity. Kendra, would you join me on the stage on the piano this morning? Maybe you've come to church today and you have a broken feeling inside of you. Maybe you just feel dirty, you feel guilty, you feel sinful, you feel messy, you feel separated from God. Jesus wants to put you back together and he has an open invitation for you to accept him into your heart today. Romans 3 says that we've all sinned so none of us can truly escape the grip of sin. All of us have been there. 
Romans 6.23 says that we deserve death and hell because of it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone say amen today. Amen. So if you're here in this room today and you want to accept Christ as your Savior, we're going to take this bold step and do that today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we finish up today? This is a bold step. It's a bold declaration and it means so much for you and so much for your eternity. I invite you, if you want to accept Christ today, to simply raise your hand and then put it back down. To simply raise your hand and put it back down. If you're out of relationship with Him and you want to be in relationship with Him, I invite you to take that step and raise your hand and just put it right back down. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. Hallelujah. As I did see hands go up this morning, I encourage us as a church to pray together and help encourage, it, encourage those who are making this commitment this very morning. Would you pray with me and repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. Help me to turn from my sin and live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. I'm just so excited for those who have made that commitment today. And um, I was just talking earlier with somebody and it reminded me of uh, my salvation experience in Jesus. And um, that's a foundation for me. It was a foundational point, point in my life when I said yes to Jesus. Remember that salvation experience for you today. Remember that salvation experience. And allow that to be a catapult into worship. Allow that to be a catapult into prayer for you. And share that decision with others. And not just with others, but invite them to become a part of the family of God as well. Because this gift that you've received of Jesus is not just for you. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. So as we close today, um, I invite you to stand in this place today. I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. As we've got snow coming down pretty hard, want to make sure people get home safely today. But I'm just so grateful for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit's work in my life. And I know that many of you are as well too. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are so grateful today that we have the opportunity to be filled with your Spirit. God, I pray that those who are seeking your Spirit today would continually seek Jesus. That we wouldn't just that we wouldn't just say, no, that's just not for me. But Lord, that we would say, Jesus, we want more of you. We want to experience more of you. God, I pray that people will be filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We pray, Jesus, that people would experience these gifts of the Spirit. And that they'd be so overwhelmed inside of them that it just bubbles forth out of their hearts and out of their mouth. Dear Jesus, we want to be used in your gifts. So Lord, use us this week. As we go out... We pray that you would make divine appointments happen and that we would be faithful to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I will go. I will be obedient to what you've asked me to do. Lord, we are so grateful for your work in our life. And we pray, Lord, that you be with each of us and bring each of us home safely on these snowy roads today. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name and the church said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Have a safe trip home and we'll see you when you return.
Thank you for listening this week. If this program has been a blessing to you, we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.